You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and this is my conversation with Demonaz. Demonaz is the principal songwriter, vocalist, and guitarist in a band from Norway called Immortal. The reason for the conversation is to promote Immortal's brand new studio offering for 2018, which is called Northern Chaos Gods. Let's have a listen to what he has to say. Here we go. John gave to me, ran out of gas, so I've just called back on my Skype account. All good. We can continue. All good. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm ready when you are. No worries, mate. All right. Look, I'll kick things off. Now, I'm going to start by saying I'm an old fan, probably as old a fan as you could possibly get for somebody in Australia. Um, my first recollections of extreme metal are actually intertwined with Immortal, meaning that the first album that I ever picked up that I'd classify as an extreme metal release was Pure Holocaust. So that's how far back mm. I go. That was about 1993 or thereabouts when I was 15 or so. And the cover scared the shit out of me. It was one of those albums where um, you, you, you looked at the cover and you knew what you were going to get. But the music inside <laughs> was one of those things that was like, what is this? This... This looks like something from out of space. It doesn't even look satanic. It looks beyond that. It looks like it's something from out of space. But So I'm going to kick off by saying thank you for making the music that you've made because it's been an integral part of my life for a long time. And uh, to that end, when I was a young fella, and you might laugh at this, but um, when, I, when I used to get ready to go into the city at night on the weekends, my, my, get, my getting together song, if you like, or the song that used to get me psyched up to go out and to be completely frank with you, try to pick up women and have a bit of a good time with storming through clouds and Holocaust winds. So, Whoa. <laughs> I don't know whether you've ever been given that feedback before, but I loved it. I got right into it back then. I, so. I, really, I really hope you, 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 you get to pick up some of them. <laughs> it, it, I did a few times, I've got to tell you. I mean, God, when, you, when you're sort of 18 and 19, it's not easy, let me tell you, when you go into the city and you're going to, I wasn't, I wasn't even going to metal clubs, I was going to dance clubs and the like, and um, you're trying to talk to women, but I love the track. And Isn't that and, where all the great uh, girls are? Yeah. <laughs> all the good girls? <laughs> well, well there, are, there are a few clubs where, put it this way, there are a few clubs where you had an easier time in them than in some of the other clubs, put it that way. There wasn't as much competition, if you like, and I had that sort of sussed out by that stage. But uh, look, I'm happily married these days, but... Yeah, um, look, it's a bit of an introduction, but yeah. I think if you do the same thing today, try to pick up some girl with uh, listening to that song first, I'm not sure if it would be the same. <laughs> not, at, not, at, not at 40 years of age. God, these days, um, I've been married for almost 10 years. I've got two daughters, as I think I was saying before, the bloody call dropped out and... Um, yeah, but I still enjoy your music, mate. And that's, I guess, that's what my first question for you is: you've got to be happy. Did you Did you hear the whole album? I did, and I've reviewed it already. Yeah, and I like it, by the way. Okay, so that's that's good for me to know when we talk. Because some sometimes when when people call, they they, they only heard the first song, and then it's so much different to talk. I think. Oh, really? I yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. To me, mm. the brand new album, Northern Chaos Gods. It sounds as if it's a natural successor to Blizzard Beasts. Is that right? I actually talked to, to Metal Hammer Greece uh, before you call, and, and the guy said the same. He, he asked huh. me where I would put this album. Uh, if I could go back, I, I, I told him I would put it between At the Heart of Winter and, and Blizzard Beasts, maybe. 
in a way. Because because uh, I wanted the, uh, this album to have the energy. It, it was it was like uh, I guess you're going to ask me about what happened to the band in, in 2014, 15. But but we can take talk about that later. Uh, yeah, I think it was time to, to to just concentrate on the music. It was really delicious to do that after all the things that happened to us, and I I really wanted to. Uh, go back to to the time when 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 we had the real energy and and where, where there was more freedom, you know, to to yeah. uh, to think about the band only and nothing else, and and, and just look out the world and say that we're gonna put together an album. I don't care about anybody outside. So it made the album more vital, more furious, more like pushing things to the limit because I felt that freedom when I, this time it was only me writing all the riffs, you know. And, and came up with ideas for the song, so I, I felt uh, an enormous freedom just to to do whatever was necessary to make uh, yeah a great album and don't think about anybody else so much. Yeah. The other thing that I really noticed on this album, and this is not a slight on Abbott in the slightest, but you're clearly a better guitarist. Now, what I mean by that is I'm a musician as well, so I listen intently to the guitarist or a bass player's performance, and or any musician's performance, including a drummer, of course. Um, your your picking technique is superior to his, and that was probably the first thing that I noticed about the album, even before I, before I made the connection that it was probably a successor to Blizzard Beast. So have you been given a lot of feedback that the album sounds different because of your guitar playing as well? Well, you know, I was the main guitarist when I, if we go back, we could say like, uh, from the beginning, I came from this band called Amputation, which was my band. Uh, I wrote all the songs there and, and, and it was a death trash band, death metal band. And, and, and when I was doing this, I was thinking, well, it gets a bit monotone because I haven't didn't have the experience for many years of writing at that time. You know, it was I was very young, and, and then I I wanted to make a new band. I wanted to make the ultimate band. I had the name Immortal and a wish, and, and then I met Abbott. I saw Old Funeral. There was a local band. They were playing yeah. at Vafter in, in in Bergen, and I heard the voice of Abbott. I, I was thinking, and I knew him a bit. I, I met him, and I knew he was into the same kind of music that I was. And I met him and I asked him if he wanted to join me. I, I, I told him about my plans, that I, I, I don't want to play in the weekends. I want to make a proper band and give a shit in the rest of the world and just do this forever. And he, he, he wanted to join me, but he had to finish up his concerts with Old Funeral. It was three or four concerts, I think, one in Finland and something, and then he would join me. Okay. So I had an idea to find this drummer, which was... Uh, Amageda from from uh, a guy that I really went to class with uh, in school from younger years, and, yeah. and we knocked at his door and asked if he wanted to play with us, and that's how Immortal uh, came to in the beginning, and, and we did some demos. It was definitely influenced, but my interest was really in Bathory, Venom, and Celtic Frost, and Hellhammer, and those kind of music. So, and, and the same with Abbott. So we changed afterwards, but my guitar playing, which was the question, started with. Tony Iommi. And and that was very slow, right? The Black Sabbath things. But when I came into Trash Metal and I listened to Metallica, 
the, the riffing on, on the first Metallica album was really fascinating me, you know? It was fast, it was furious, it was something new. They were breaking some limit. And after that, it was like no return. In a way, it was like I wanted to... And the same with Slayer, you know? Slayer also had that fast picking. And, and it became something that I, I really rehearsed on and worked on. I always remember Albert said to me, well, fuck, nobody can pick as fast as you can. I don't... I, I, and it's not to brag about anything, but it's like that was how, how I... In the way, started to play. I just wanted to play fast and make this uh, special kind of playing. And on the four first Immortal albums, I about played the bass. You know, he was not a guitarist, but he was he was with me also in the songs, composing and making riffs. And he he had a lot of brilliant ideas. You know, he's a very talented musician. But we are different in a way. He he came from something else when it comes to the instrument. You know, while I was three years older than him and I also I also helped him a lot with the guitar playing of course you know because he was young when I met him and he was not experienced and I was three years at that time of, of 20 years when you're 20 years it's a lot of years you know God, yeah absolutely <laughs> different yeah so 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 I was always like I wanted the music to be faster you know I wanted was to make when we made pure holocaust I wanted the album to be faster than Diabolical Form of Mysticism. When we made Battles in the North, I wanted to break the speed limit on that one too. And when we did Bliss of Beast, I ripped my arms off. <laughs> yeah, I can hear that. <laughs> I can definitely hear that, yeah. So what was... So, uh, oh, sorry, you go. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, the, the, the jump from, the jump from uh, Diabolical Full Moon Mysticism into Pure Holocaust is actually bigger than the jump that Metallica made from Kill Em All into Ride the Lightning. So I love both albums, by the way. As, you can, as I've already explained, I'm an old fan. I think Unholy Forces of Evil is one of the greatest tracks ever written by any band ever in any genre, believe me. I really do. It's, an, it's a song that when I was younger, I was playing in... You'll laugh at this. I was playing in bands that sounded more like Primus, you know, like that... I wouldn't call it funk, but I play a lot of oh, slap bass. I think Primus was cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I play a lot of slap bass, right? But I was trying to convince the guys in the band, and the drummer was with me to actually cover Unholy Forces of Evil in our own style. Um, I loved it that much, but the jump was, was significant, wasn't it? So what was the inspiration behind... Uh, I know you're talking about playing faster and the like, but the diabolical full moon mysticism has its own sound, and, of course, pure holocaust takes it to a whole new level. I actually don't think pure holocaust has been bested for speed in that it's just such a fast album you're recording it about the drummer that you had at the time well that was you playing drums i think wasn't it on the album am i correct in saying no, that? It was about playing the drums, well look mm. it's it's so incredibly fast that even in 2018 it doesn't sound dated and that's a hell of an accomplishment for an album that came out in 1992 or 1993 but what made you uh what what inspired the leap to, to go as fast as you possibly could? Was it just, were, were you trying to just show everybody in the world that you guys were the fastest and the best black metal band around? I think it was a combination of my love for Morbid Angel demo, Thy Kingdom Come, you know, and, and, and also, also the Bathory albums, uh, like Massacre, this song, you know, from Under the Sign of the Black Mark, you know. 
it was like we wanted to play fast and be violent in a way. And and, and, and the title Pure Holocaust, it really came from the song Holocaust with Battery uh-huh. from, from the One Side Death album. Okay, yep. And, and, and I remember those songs were like, they weren't as fast as the song. Uh, they weren't like blast beats. They were fast, but they were really intense. And the three first, uh, um, not the three first songs, but those three fast songs, like Dice Area, uh, uh, Holocaust, and, and uh, uh, those songs were like, there was something really violent about them. And, and I was trying to pick really fast. I was trying to make riffs really fast. And at the same time, put them into the, uh, that atmosphere, you know? So I, I really think we, we learned also, also we learned on the way we were part of a subculture. We didn't even know about it. I think we were like just young and wanted to prove something. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. No, that answers that question. There you go. And do you, do you out of out of all of your classic albums, the two in particular, so Pure Holocaust and Blizzards, uh, uh, Battles in the North, sorry, which one of those mm-hmm. two do you get the most feedback from about fans and, and the media? I don't know, because I think those two albums define the band in a way, uh, because Diabolical Formal Mysticism was a more like different record. It was the debut album, and when you do a debut album, it's always like uh, difficult when you follow up. You have to you have to do something better than the one before. And I, I just think that we wanted to be faster. We wanted to be more furious. But the question was about who's asking me about those two albums. I think in many ways, Pure Holocaust is a classic to a lot of hardcore black metal fans. While Battles in the North is an album that prove that we will stay there in a way we we wouldn't even if the cover was white and it was spectacular or different and 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 but the black and white stuff it, it was like a statement that this band is not gonna wimp out at least not on the next album mm. yeah that's <laughs> so definitely the, the case media, <laughs> both those, both those albums i i think are classics to people in a way okay yeah so what inspired you to, I know you, you haven't necessarily come back because you've always been a part of the Immortal Fold, but look, I, being an old fan, I remember reading through the uh, fanzines and the like back in the day in the 90s and the, the very few interviews that I could find on the internet that you had an injury, of course, you had tendonitis and you had to take some time out from, from playing playing that fast guitar. I know you didn't give up the guitar completely as a lot of people misunderstand. But what has inspired yeah, it's you? It's a big misunderstanding, really. Because cause, um, what happened was that after this abuse, yeah. I got problems with my arm. It was the left arm that was the problem. And and, and I got like uh, numb in the arm from playing. It means that I had to slow down on the playing. There was not no, not a problem with the technical ability. There was not a problem with with uh, that I could that I had to stop playing but yeah. I, I just couldn't rehearse that much you know like we were used to going to the rehearsal room every day play for two hours and then maybe you will play guitar when you come home or whatever but but it, it became like I got tired in the arm when I was playing after half an hour you know it was mm-hmm. like I couldn't do it uh, for, for, for that long time so what happened was that when we came to the point with At The Heart Of Winter we wrote the album but I couldn't record it because uh, 
Some sometimes there was uh, days I couldn't play. I just had to say, well, today I can't play because the arm is like fuck, fucked up because of yesterday, you know. Yeah. yeah. But what we did in, instead of rec- uh, finding a new guitar player, because me and Abad understood that if I would quit the band, the band would be over. Okay. And go. it's yeah. very easy because I wrote all the lyrics, I wrote the majority of the music, and and that is why we continue this way. So it became a, a bit uh, frustrating for us in this period. But after Atahata Winter, that is why we had session bassist, you know, so that the core of the band could be me, Abat, and Horn. Hmm. Because it was hmm. us three that was the driver of the band. We were uh, working with the band, it was we. It was the three of us that were on the rehearsal room, worked with the songs, and the other guys never came into the band like Iscaria or, uh, yeah, you know. Yeah, the other guys that came in after. The other guys uh, never uh, been, like uh, they never became full full members, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when we were down the black, I lost a bit of the spirit because I felt like there was something with me and Abba also. We didn't have the same passion, and he was experimenting with, I don't know if I should tell everything, but it's like, so we lost it a bit on Dan the Black, and I think you can hear that. The, the, this, that album wasn't as vital as the other ones. I thought it came then, out. Sorry, you go. And then, yeah, and then, and then we we were like, when we were go, going to record Sons of Northern Darkness, we, we shaped up. We, I remember we were talking and fuck man, we, we can't let this band go to hell. We have to work on this album. And me and Abbott got closer again, you know, and we were working with this album very close. But after Sons of Northern Darkness, it took toll on us, you know. It was like he had his problems and and I was also a bit like, I, I saw that maybe we can't say this. So we we decided to take a break. Yeah, yeah. But, but I never gave up on Immortal. Abad wanted to do this I project. It means like I found the name for that and I wrote the lyrics for that and I, I backed them up, you know. But it was like, the, my intention was that I did it because I thought that if we do an album together now, maybe we can do Immortal again. Maybe we, I could convince him or maybe we could get back on that passion way and, and find a solution for Immortal. And we did that. We came back in 2007 we made also fall, but it didn't become the same. You know, we, the passion was lost in a way hmm. because of a, some disagreements between us, and because uh, he had his personal issues, whatever it is. <laughs> I, yeah. I really don't want to go into that too much because he's not here when I'm talking, and there's not bad blood between us. You know, no, I understand. really, yeah, no, I understand. I'm not bitter. There's not a problem with that, but but we didn't function as a band the way I wanted it. I thought we lost something on the way. The spirit wasn't there hundred percent and I need that. So when the conflict came after also fall and after we wrote that next album, which he took with him and created as his own solo album with some changes, whatever, it was clear that we had to separate. And when that happened to me, there was a relief in a way, because the problems had been going on for so many years. And I felt the freedom to take back the band and vitalize it, you know, go back and find, I wanted to find the energy that was there 
like we were talking about in in ninety three, ninety four, ninety five, you know. Uh, and and I locked the wall out. I told Hall to, or we were talking about it. Let, let's let's just forget about everything now. Anyone, and let's do the next Immortal album. And 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 when the album is ready, we can talk to people again. <laughs> CC is done, you know. Yeah. Okay. God, that's that's a very comprehensive summary of about the last fifteen years you've just given me there. Um, and it's. I try my best. <laughs> no, you've done really well because it it. I don't. I don't feel like I need to ask any questions about Abbott because you've. What you've done is, you, as I say, you've given me a very good summary of what what the last fifteen years he, fifteen years has held. What's interesting though that you said there was that there was an album written that Abbott took with him. So is that the music that ended up on his Abbott on, on the on the actual album that he released? Is it which was destined to be an immortal album? We made nearly all the songs and pre-productions for all those songs. And when the conflict ended, before that, he left and he took with him, uh, he made a lot of those, those riffs. Hmm. And, and some of those songs were his major uh, parts, you know. So, so uh, that's all right. But, but we worked on this together with the structure and everything. Yeah, the arrangements and, were and, done and, by you, and, yeah. And when he le- decided to leave the band, suddenly he found some members without uh, telling us and, and because we were in the middle of this disagreement for back and forth. And then he said goodbye in a way with just uh, taking those songs and leaving us, you know, he didn't take my lyrics. Uh, I think that was out of respect in some way, but uh, whatever. So, so we started, I had to start from scratch, from scratch in late 2015 after we left and, and, and I wrote Northern Care Scots as the first song. Yeah. Okay. It was the first song I wrote, I wrote uh, uh, just after, uh, yeah. Okay, all right. Look, I'll take a bit of a 90-degree turn and I'll ask you about your relationship with Australia because, uh, as I've pointed out a few times, I'm a whole fan and I'm not the only one. There's quite a lot of us down here that do like the band and I'm sure I'm correct in saying the only time Immortal ever toured was in 2007 or 2008 and it was, then it was only... I think you only played Sydney and Melbourne, or Sydney or Melbourne. It was a very short tour that you did. It was. Oh, a... we, we did uh, uh, Melbourne, Sydney, Perth, Brisbane, and one more city, I think. Did you play Brisbane? Did and you? I mean, I, I, yeah, that's where I'm from. So I, I didn't. I, I was really disappointed that I couldn't go and see you, but I think it was because I thought you were only playing in Sydney or Melbourne. There you go. My bad. <laughs> Yeah, and, and and we also played uh, uh, New Zealand, uh, Auckland, and and, and uh, what's the last city called? Um, uh, Auckland. I don't remember. Auckland or Wellington, it probably would have been. Auckland and Wellington. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. So, what's the what? Have you got a lot of mail over the years from Australia? Because I was reading in a very old interview with you last night that was posted in about 1997. And this was, you were interviewed prior to the release of Blizzard Beasts and you were talking about doing a tour and that included Australia. So we must have been on your radar very early on as a place that you wanted to either visit and or you had fans. I, al- I always wanted to go there. I always wanted to go to New Zealand also especially because I heard so much about it. And, and uh, when, But we never had the opportunity to go before that in 2007. Uh, so, so it was like, 
uh, when we finally got there, we really had uh, had a great time there. Really, I, I thought it was fantastic to be there. I, I thought it was like uh, people there were totally different. <laughs> it was like uh, very nice, actually, really nice. And and the fans from there were really into it. And in Sydney, there were like I think it was like 800 people on the concert or 900. I'm not sure, but it was like really intense and, and great. And the people were really enthusiastic about it. We had a really good time, so I really want to come back, you know. Mm, yeah, cool, cool. Well, I, I'm going to plant this as a seed that I hope that I hope grows because I, I know that Peter Tagtron, of course, produced the album, and I had a chat to him a couple of weeks back because he's coming down with his um, industrial vehicle pain. But what I'd love to see is a two-pronged attack, so immortal and hypocrisy. What do you reckon? Do you reckon you could bring that show down to Australia? Well, why not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, look, it's. I know. Could be, could be yeah, look, I know Dicey from Glenn Dyson. Sorry, he's um, he's a chap who uh, runs or owns. I think it's um, it's not. Dest is it Destroy All Lines? One of one of the agencies, one of the touring companies over here. Anyway, so I might send him a bit of a message to hit both yourself and and Peter up to try to bring you guys down as a bit of a uh, as a package actually, because that'd be a hell of a show. Prior to uh, Martin Eric Ain passing away, I actually thought that Celtic Frost and Immortal would be the perfect package, but that obviously can't happen. So hypocrisy, not that they're the next best thing. Hypocrisy are also an excellent band, and Peter's a wonderful bloke. Uh, that'd be a heck of a tour, but it does—it actually does allow me to lead into my next question, so I'll make that a point, and I'll ask you this next question. How did you go working with Peter? Because I know he's worked with some of the best in the biz in heavy metal. Um, was it just a natural choice to work with him for the new album? Well, the first time we worked with him was in at the on, at the hotter winter, uh, and and he produced uh, all the albums after, you know, more or less. And and, and it's like this time. We wanted to go with him as well. We talking with him very early about it. And and after we did the... I, I go back to 2015. We started to write the album. And I start with Nothing Else Gods. And then we were finished with all the songs one year after, late 2016. The pre-production was finished. We sent it to Peter. We already talked to him before. And when he heard it, we were talking about the sound how I wanted it and how Hogg wanted the drums and everything. And I realized this is the way to go because he understands it. He's a brilliant musician and also a great producer. So what happened was that we entered the studio in 2017, just a few months after all the songs were finished in January. And the drums were recorded in one week. And, and then I started to do the guitars and I did the guitars in Bergen, not in Abyss. I recorded it here in, 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 our, in my city, and, and when I sent down the guitar tracks, uh, Peter offered to do the bass. He, he told Horg uh, first that uh, the songs are great. I can do the bass if you want. Maybe that would be good for you. And I thought it was a good idea because I made all the riffs, and I thought on the pre-productions, it was like I was playing more or less, I'm not a bassist, so I was playing more like with the guitars, if you understand what I mean. But he was objective, you know, so he could do the bass in a different way. And he sent us some tracks with the bass on, and I was uh, I was instantly hooked. And also for the production, it was like just what, we, what I wanted, you know. It was like 
wow, this sounds like the guitars were lo-fi, the drums were really dark sounded, with not too much sustain, you know, so I thought it was like, it, it immediately brought me uh, in the into the right atmosphere and, and the vision that I, I had, you know, for the songs. Yeah. Heavy, fast, grim and dark, and even like, uh, you could think back to those albums in 94, 95, 96, uh, without uh, the song, it sounded like it was recorded in the garage, you know. So, so I really loved it, and I loved the way he was playing the bass, and then the motorheadish sound he, he made into that. Yeah. yeah. So, some kind of distortion. It was really powerful. So, so it was a no-brainer. From there, from there, I just said, just do the bass on every song. It was fantastic. Cool, mate. I think that's my time up. Half an hour. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Um, as I say, it's it's gosh, it's it's really thrilling for me to do what it is that I do these days because I'm able to talk to musicians and artists whose music I've followed for 25 years. I've been following you guys, and you're a good bloke, mate. I really want to thank you for answering all of my questions and for giving so much detail as what you've done. Um, you know, it, it, it never fails to amaze me that a lot of the bands that I really like and I've admired growing up, they end up being really nice people when I talk to them over the phone. And I'm here in Australia, you're in Norway, so we're bloody all the way across the world from each other. But I just want to thank you for the chat and thank you so much for making the music that you make. And I really hope to see you down here in Australia sometime in the near future. Yeah, it's really good to talk to you and uh, good talk and good questions. I usually... If the questions are great, you know, I normally talk a lot. If not, I just say yes or no. <laughs> so <laughs> this was uh, definitely a good one. No, thank you very much, mate. I really appreciate it. So, uh, yeah, congratulations again. Yeah. Thank you, and have a great Saturday. No worries, mate. Thank you very much again. Cheers. Bye-bye. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and that was my conversation with Demonaz the principal songwriter, guitarist and vocalist in a band from Norway called Immortal. Thank you so much for listening.